It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hello, I'm Alan Davis. You are listening to the Tuesday Club. This is the Arsenal podcast, and I've got Keith Dover with me this afternoon. How are you, Keith? I'm fine, Alan. You well? I'm yes, well. very well. Keith has been supporting Arsenal since 1887. Yes, that's absolutely true. And in 1930, we proposed a breakaway top six, which consisted of <laughs> Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth, Huddersfield, Derby County, and we added in for a good fun, Canvey Island. And <laughs> <laughs> And we was going to break away and just form our own league with nobody else. I mean, these are big clubs you're talking about. Portsmouth, Huddersfield, Derby. Yeah, we'll just run our own league and sod everybody else. That's what we said. Yeah. But, but no, yeah. common sense prevailed. Common sense prevailed. And, and, and the offer from the broadcasters uh, yes, was, was a nil. <laughs> It was nil. It was nil. Well, well, the BBC chipped in with a uh, cucumber sandwich, I believe. Yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you two tickets to Lords. <laughs> <laughs> and Oliver Scott is here. Hey, Oliver Hi. Scott is here. It's yes. lovely to be. It's lovely to be back. It's been a bit of a hiatus. It's while been, I've been a dealing while. With, dealing with some stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all sorted now. So yes, yeah, it's good to well. see you. Very nice. And uh, you join us, Oliver. It's Monday afternoon, uh, listener, and uh, we don't know where to begin with uh, mm. our podcast. Um, there are two Arsenal games to discuss. One, a stunning European triumph, uh, and the other one, one of the worst games of football you've ever watched in your life. Uh, there's also, uh, of course, the, as Keith has alluded to, the uh, impending breakaway European Super League from which we can never be relegated. Yay! Yay! <laughs> And uh, and the sacking of uh, uh, Jose Mourinho has come about on this on this very day. So uh, where do, where should we begin, chaps? Oh, let's go. Should we go with the spuds first? I think that's uh, only they could do that to a manager. I mean, this poor old man. He takes them to a cup final. They haven't been since one for years, and then he's thrown out onto the streets with a couple of carrier bags. He's now wandering around Tottenham, going, "Where do I go from here?" You know, it's just how can you do that to him, poor sod. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it is extraordinary, isn't it? That oh. it, it's only a few days before the League Cup final against Man City. Yeah, do, do you, will they will they have a caretaker in place? Can we think of that? 
who that might be. Probably will yeah. be a caretaker. <laughs> what was the, what was the, he will be a caretaker. What was the guy's <laughs> name from... Uh, <laughs> Oh, you're being served. Was it Mr. Mr. Oh, Harmon? Arthur, yeah. Oh, you know, the in the brown coat. Yeah, yeah. It'll, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be him. Yeah, some bloke just wandering around with a broom, <laughs> leaving, oi, you, what, me, sir? Me? Yes, you, your manager. Oh, no. Oh, I'm happy with, with me brush. <laughs> I've got some dog sick to sweep up. Oh, come on, let me do that first. I wonder if, uh, I bet Harry Redknapp's been on the phone. I'll do it oh. if you need someone for a week. I'll yeah. do it, million pound. Yeah, daily rate. <laughs> 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 I'll only charge her from the moment I get on the team bus to go to Wembley. Other yeah. than that, yeah. I imagine he's sitting in a Range Rover with the window down, just waiting for a camera. Sucking <laughs> to ask him what Sitting he in thinks. sandbanks <laughs> outside his house, outside his think, porch. It, it occurred to me that Daniel Levy uh, couldn't bear the thought of if they do manage to win the League Cup next weekend. Uh, they couldn't bear the thought of of, of Mourinho taking all the credit because that would be Mourinho's angle on it, wouldn't it? I've won them a cup. It's my cup. Or, I've won cups everywhere I go. Or possibly, possibly, um, he was on some sort of bonus for a tro- for a trophy. Oh my God, he was on a bonus for a trophy. But that, but is this is this really working? Because don't you have to pay his entire contract off to sack him, and yeah. he's on fifty million a year. <laughs> This really is Tottenham well we're talking about. I have to figure that one out. I've sacked him. We don't have to pay the bonus. Oh, you idiot. Uh, like maybe the, this, these things can be, you know, there can be all sorts of complicated things, can't there? Like, you know, we had it with, um, was it, I can't remember which one of our places was, but it was like if they played 20 games, they got were entitled to a bonus. And everyone kept saying, why isn't he playing XY player, his name oh, I can't remember. Yes, that's yeah. right. And um, yeah, and it turned out that it, yeah, every if he'd made twenty appearances, then the B rose up to the next tier. So maybe it's something like that. Yeah, you hear of these things, don't you? Yeah. Oh, if he plays another game, he triggers a permanent transfer. Yeah. That's it. He's oh, I don't but, know. but there it's is bizarre, talk. That, yeah, it is bizarre. I mean, there is talk that there's a, a German manager. Is it not the Bayern Munich one? Maybe uh, whoever. Oh yeah, the uh, Leipzig manager. So he may, they may go for him, or they may go for Brendan Rodgers. So it's that kind of like a house, you know, a a chain effect. They're waiting for that, so they thought, get rid of him now, you know. And they, well, the Brendan Rodgers isn't going anywhere. I know he's on a huge contract. He's well, he's got the FA Cup final coming up in a few weeks. He's not going to leave Leicester until he's played the FA Cup final, and if they qualify for the Champions League. Would you want to go? Uh, he's not going to. Well, I don't know. So yeah, a German coach they want. Do they? Is that the rumor? Well, that's that's the rumor they're saying. The guy at Leipzig, uh, because the other the other guy is meant to be taking over the German national job. So they're saying he will leave, and then this. But listen, I can't. I can't see it myself. I, I just they'll make mistakes. I mean, listen, they got Gareth Bale on a huge mutt. Huge contract. They haven't got the money to spend. So would Brendan Rodgers really think, well, why do I need to go to Tottenham, actually? Everything's going great at Leicester. Would mm. I go to that madhouse? I don't mm. think so. You've got Ju- to- Julian Nagelsmann, this is the character. That's it, yeah. The, oh, young, uh, the young wonder coach who's been making his name in Germany over the last few years. Spurs yeah. have already made contact ah. with Leipzig manager. 
Oh dear. Uh, you can rest assured that's the end of his career. Uh, one year over here, the rabid mob are tearing to shreds. <laughs> I, I heard one of them say, Tottenham have a certain brand of football that we've had for 40 years. I'm thinking, you haven't won anything for 60 years. It's, it, yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's shit. That's yes, the brand. That's the brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, talking of talking of talking of brands, I'm sure Keith, uh, you know, with the old Dulux sponsorship. That must oh, there uh, I mean, you I'm, go. I'm imagining That's... you're pretty loyal to Farron Ball most of the time. But, <laughs> I, you know. I use it when I can. It's, it's a good, it's a <laughs> but, good point. I've got to say, <laughs> viscosity, viscosity is very impressive. It we have don't... a lot of we have um, EB, a lot of EB around here. Which yeah. is elef- elephant's breath. Elephant's breath. Oh, oh really? I'm taking it. I'm taking it. That's a paint colour. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> and not some le- illegal high that I've missed out on. <laughs> You've got an elephant's breath, mate. <laughs> Comes in tiny little silver canisters. And find, yeah. find all over the park on a Sunday morning. Drink it all, you get the proper... Drink it all, you get the proper Gandalf experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I thought it was amazing. I mean, that, they, this big match they've got on the weekend, um, it's a big match anyway to play the League Cup final, but for Tottenham it's absolutely a huge game. <laughs> it's, there's an outside chance that if they win the game against City that they'll persuade Harry Kane to, to stay oh. at the club. Although it's, God knows whether he'll be persuaded by the arrival if it does happen, of Julian Nagelsmann, but mm. ah, he must have had a row with Levy or something must have gone on, mm. or maybe it was the the Dulux paint incident was the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> I do you know, you know, do you remember when when um, when Aubameyang signed and we and we pointed out sagely on this podcast that it had happened um, just at the same time as Arteta became the manager because remember he was just the head coach or lead coach or whatever before. Yes, and maybe Kane's tied up into it because if I was Harry Kane. And, and uh, you know, was looking down the the barrel of uh, you know the sort of the, the latter years of my career, and I wasn't going to sign. And then Levy said, "Right, we'll bring in another manager who 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 plays slightly less, you know, drivelly beige football." <laughs> you know, that might be the thing that makes you sign. And you know, I mean, we'll I mean, we'll talk about what's going on um, with the Super League. But you know, I think right now Harry Kane is probably more important than whoever's managing Tottenham. Oh, when absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. when it comes to that tournament. I no, I, that's absolutely true. Harry Kane is the key key man over there mm. at, at the moment. It's all up to me who we have as a manager. <laughs> oh, really boring, the Jose. I'm glad he's gone. He's so boring. All I have to do is head away corners. <laughs> Defend the near pole. Defend the near pole. I want to score a goal, Jose. I want to be in the other penalty area. I don't want to be behind the ball. Where's Gareth? He's so far away. He's on his own. You know full well, though, if we'd have had Harry Kane, we'd have been at some point, we'd have been, get him in that car to Stansted, make sure he gets on the plane, he's in Barcelona tomorrow, all right? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. We'd have sold him by now, yeah. Yeah. We would have left on a free by now, Alan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably right. Yes. Finger would have sold him for 50 mil. This mob would have let him run down his contract. <laughs> and yeah. he'd, got, he'd have got the piss in Tottenham. <laughs> oh, happy days. Now, gentlemen, as you know, uh, small businesses have always shown an incredible ability to adapt, innovate 
and survive. I know that's true of your small business, Keith. It is. With the, uh, the ever-growing uh, number of locks on your van. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> uh, now, another way you can adapt and grow is by finding the right people to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you to do that for free. And uh, LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. Getting started is easy, and their new features can help you find qualified candidates quickly. Uh, post a job with targeted screening questions, such as, will you carry the tools up to the fourth floor and all the wood <laughs> <laughs> while I play Snake on my ancient phone? <laughs> And they'll quickly get your role uh, in front of qualified candidates. Manage your job posts, contact candidates from a single view on LinkedIn.com. Functions are streamlined onto one simple screen, and you can do it all from your mobile. And that's how LinkedIn jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. And now you can post a job for free if you just visit linkedin.com slash Tuesday. Again, that's linkedin.com slash Tuesday to post a job for free. TNCs apply. Thank you, LinkedIn. Uh, Nagelsmann is 33 years old and uh, he's, a, he, uh, he's got high hopes for him to have a great career as a coach. Yeah, they got to the Champions League semi-finals last year and they're high up in the Bundesliga, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. he's obviously going to be in demand. Uh, I imagine he'd be in demand for uh, considerably larger clubs than uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. And, mm. and really, of all of the uh, risible statements made around the Super League breakaway proposal, that the presence of Tottenham Hotspur on the list of any group of <laughs> elite clubs... <laughs> I mean, really, really? Uh, when it comes to insults to Ajax of Amsterdam or, or Borussia Dortmund or Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich or whoever, yeah. really, what an absolute farcical load of nonsense it is. Mm. Oh, <laughs> the, the, the thing that really that I thought was funny about it, right? They say, so they say they play these games in this Super League in midweek, uh, make, shed loads of money, buy up loads of players and then come back on a Saturday and kick everyone's ass in the, <laughs> the Premier League. <laughs> And, uh, but then they said, oh, but well, you, if you go to this, your players won't be able to play in the World Cup. I, I, honestly, if anyone goes to Qatar for the World Cup, they mm. should be ashamed of themselves. Mm -hmm. The entire football community should boycott that World Cup. No one should go to that World Cup. Everyone mm. should just say no. And, and I would uh, really, before they set up their Super League, they should think about forming some other world football body to replace FIFA that is a fight worth having. Mm. That is a, that is something worth doing. Mm. And staging an alternative World Cup would be worth doing. And take them all on. Take the sponsors on. Take on the legal challenges. Say, no, you're corrupt. This is bent. You can't have a football mm. tournament in the desert. It should never have been there. And no one's going. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But this Super League thing that they're proposing, really, they're just flexing their muscles because they want to do a deal with UEFA. But... God forbid it actually did come about. It'd be horrible because you know they would, if they had sole power, these clubs, then they would do anything they want to do. They'll go, right, we'll play the final game of the season in Beijing or LA. They'll, they'll mm. just do it. Oh, we'll have ad breaks. 
you know, it'll just go the way like American football's yes, gone. Of course, it'll, they don't care horrible. about the fans, obviously. They no. don't care about the atmosphere generated by having away fans in the ground. But I think also there's something about, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about American owners wanting an American mm. model yeah, mm. like baseball and the NFL, where you have set divisions with the same teams in every year mm. and salary caps and an attempt through the draft system yeah. to, to give teams who are struggling the opportunity to get better players, to balance it out, all the kinds of checks and balances in place to try and have a level playing field, although you do still have super wealthy clubs like the New York mm. Yankees who can have a... A better paid roster. This is a, a nonsense, of course. This is just a manufactured professional setup. What we have in this country is a, a sport that's grown out of a tradition of the amateurs and the, the gentlemen and the players. It's grown out of a recreation, mm. something to do at the weekend. It's about the values, the f- sense of fair play and decency and learning and and treating all matches as if you recite Rudyard Kipling's If in the <laughs> in the dressing room before you go out. And there's still <laughs> something in English sport of that tradition. Uh, summed up by the phrase, it's not cricket. Still, there was a mm. long time, a huge resistance. Rugby union was the last one to cave in to professional players. Cricket was a long time before they'd let a professional player captain the England cricket team because there was a, a sincere, sincerely held belief that if someone was motivated only by money, that would undermine the values of the sport and their approach to the sport and it would undermine their approach to personal excellence in sport. Sport and money don't mix very well. Mm-hmm. And our tradition in this country is have a big umbrella with clubs in every town in the country, all with the same opportunity to get to the top division if they organise themselves well and play well. And that's been the tradition. Promotion and relegation is absolutely at the heart of all of it. And this model just stinks to high heaven to a British football sporter. This is just a mm-hmm. nil interest. And we, if you play in Europe, one of the nice things about playing in Europe, if you support a club and you're fortunate enough as we are to do that, is you play different sides from different countries. Mm. Mm. Different teams turn up with different kits and different names you haven't seen before. If you're playing Red Star, Red Star Belgrade, you like that. That's great. Or Slavia Prague. There are famous names like Dinamo Kiev. You want to see everybody. You don't just mm. want to see Inter Milan and Real Madrid every season. Why would you want that? Mm. Mm. It's it's a nonsense. It's completely unappealing to our sensibility as football supporters. It's only being set up to generate income for people who are already billionaires. Mm. And all billionaires think about is how is their next billion. That's all they seem to think about. Mm. When you think what they could spend on sport in this country to make it a more even playing field, to up the standards across the, the board. But they don't. All they think about is, how can we get more money out of this? We'll mm. have to suck off the people who are holding us back. Who's holding us back? UEFA and them, they're holding us back. Mm. We're the big clubs. Everyone wants to see us. We could get so much more money if we just did it ourselves. Uh, that's all, that's it's all it, they're motivated by. It, it's greed beyond greed. And I tell you what, when we... Uh, Bet when we go back to the Emirates, the bloody roof will still be leaking and that wonky <laughs> seat will still be wonky. They yeah, wouldn't have used it to, yeah. to do a bit of yeah. maintenance. You we know. have had a broken seat in row 15 <laughs> 
for 12 years. <laughs> yeah, 12 years. And, yeah. it's not and the, the roof has one. been leaking for nine years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting talking about American sport, isn't it? Because one thing that, made, that I thought was quite amusing was that, you know, it sounded like it was Liverpool and us and um, and United that were leading this charge. And, and yeah, you know, Chelsea and, and, um, and City who weren't. And, you know, you know things are bad when, like, the oligarchs <laughs> and the human rights denying Emiratis aren't like the worst. So it's a bit rich for my blood, this. <laughs> Hang on a minute, this feels a little bit greedy. <laughs> you know, you know, it's really what's bad, that, though. Emir? I said it says a bit, bit self-interested, a little bit greedy. Where's the sense of common good here? <laughs> though, you oh, know. Come on, guys! <laughs> come on, you guys! Let's screw them all! Come on! Let's have all the money. <laughs> West Ham United, <laughs> F you! <laughs> well, well, I some think we're actually going to buy into this. That voice before. USA, USA, USA! <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's, no it's... one likes us, we don't care, that's what they're like, aren't they? Except they well... don't realise it. You know, it, goes, it, it reminds me of, you know, that, that Jerry Seinfeld joke about, oh, you're supporting clothes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rooting, for la- rooting for laundry. <laughs> it's like, but, you know, I mean, I, I, it, it's interesting, though. I mean, you, you obviously totally agree with your point around the, the grassroots of the game and the umbrella it, it, it forms. But, you know, this isn't this isn't the first tear in that particular fabric, is it? I mean, it's been is it, it's been going on since, what, the beginning of the Premier League? Was that the start of it or the Glaziers? taking over United. Well, I think the Premier League, but at least it encompasses the teams that we all have relationships with. And you see, you know, teams get promoted and we have a relationship with West Ham fans and Sheffield United fans. We have that, but we don't, we won't, if you've got Athletic Albil Bowell, Seville every every week, it's going to be like the Scottish League. It'll be boring, just mm. tedious. And will we go as fans? Are they quite happy to have empty seats there and just rely on the TV revenue rights? I don't know. I don't know how it's yeah. going to work, but I can't see him making money out of it. I really can't. You know? They're mentioning playing the same teams in the Champions League each year. We already have Olympiakos for that. Yeah, we have Olympiakos. <laughs> was it Dortmund? It was Dortmund for a while. Didn't we play them about four years on the spin? So, you know. I think really it goes back to Abramovich turning up, doesn't it? Mm, when Abramovich yeah. turned up, they yeah. were simply allowed to eradicate all their debts at Chelsea with an interest-free loan and then go and buy eight or nine top draw players from all around the division and build a team almost overnight that got 95 points. Uh, it, it was uh, it was obvious. That mm. The fact that that was allowed, there was a loophole in our game that, that was exploited by the new owner at Chelsea who'd already exploited multiple loopholes to accumulate <laughs> his staggering wealth <laughs> after the collapse of the former Soviet <laughs> Union when all the state utilities were suddenly up for grabs to the oligarchs. He was pretty, this guy, this is someone who's very adept mm. at exploiting a loophole and he thought, where can I put this money? I can't invest it in, the, in Russia. God knows what's going to happen next. I'll get it all out of the country as quickly as possible and buy up as many things as I can around the world, which to feel safe, and there's nothing safer than a football t- than a football club. Mm. It's always going to be there because, as you say, because of the fans, because the fans are the club. Although the identity, what Chelsea is now, is just a badge and a, and the, and the mm. blue colour. Same in Manchester City, oh. and it saddens me to say, same at Arsenal. Mm, yeah. And really, what we're relying on to keep the Arsenal name alive, the Arsenal history and tradition alive, is a Brazilian 
guy who's the head of football, a German guy is the head of the academy, and a Spanish guy is the manager, mm. all of whom have had a relatively short history Very with Arsenal. So. Yeah, yeah. You're not talking about a board of directors who've been there for 40, 50 years and have mm. an ear trumpet and can remember <laughs> Cliff Bastin. We're talking about a load of blokes who are just as likely to not be there in five years' time as they are to be there. And who will be there? I don't know. And mm. Our club's been sold, gone. Uh, completely lost to us and mm. the shareholders have been bought out and we don't even really recognise the badge. At least Chelsea have had the same badge for yeah. a few years yeah, and so have Manchester yeah. United. <laughs> Well, so, so the fans are it. And did someone did send me a sorry earlier to yeah. sunset? Someone did send me a tweet saying, "If this goes ahead and people have got the ump, Arsenal fans will set up FC Arsenal, just in the way that United fans set up mm. FC United and Wimbledon fans set up Wimbledon, and actually are now going back to Plough Lane. It is there's that such a strength of feeling that if you go too far with this mm. kind of stuff, the fans will say well, it's not what we want." Mm. No, you're absolutely mm. right because it, it's not what I want. I don't want to be part of some ridiculous Super League, which actually is meaningless. And will they still carry on with cup competitions? You know, UEFA won't let them play there, play in any of them. If you take away the history from football competitions, there's nothing left. You know, and I don't want to be in some allegedly souped-up version of the Zenith Systems Cup or whatever they want. <laughs> you know, it's just honest. It's a non-starter. But then. They're proposing, you're for proposing of making the Champions League bigger. And it's just like, we used to have three really nice cup competitions in Europe. Now you've nulled it up. We've got two. Well, barely, well, you know, they're, barely they're bring, two. They're know. bringing in a third one, aren't they? Allegedly. A, a third one below mm. the Europa League, mm. uh, which really will be a curse to be in, in that. And it's certainly where we're hoping... Uh, Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> will be uh, next season. Jose Mourinho was only saying the other day when he was in, in employment <laughs> that, of course, that he would take that competition very seriously and try to win every match as he always does. I thought, I looked, I heard him and I thought, you haven't tried to win a match for years. You've, you've tried not to lose matches for yeah. a long time. Tired, I've yeah. never seen your teams try to win. <laughs> Although, having said all that, that does bring me on to uh, Arsenal's performance against Fulham yesterday. Yeah. In, in which I was... You couldn't honestly say that we appeared to be trying to win that match. I tell you what was funny, because the Holy first part... Shit, it was dull. I, to, I had to listen... I was listening in the, on the car radio, so I was listening to more or less the first half, and I just got home uh, as the first half was finishing. I got it onto, onto Sky... And on the radio, they were saying it, oh, it was a really good game. And then I go to Roy Keane and he goes, this is dreadful. I've seen test <laughs> testimonials. Nobody's passing. It. So I'm thinking, hang on, did I? Was I listening to the right game here? But then obviously, mm. once I watched the second half, he was absolutely right, you know. But. Mm. He was absolutely right. And it is yeah. interesting on the radio how they keep trying to tell you. We're bringing you live commentary from the Premier League. We're bringing you Arsenal Fulham. It's been amazing. Yeah. Why, what are you doing? It's not your job to try and dress it all up like it's, you're having the time of your lives. You're attending and reporting on one of the worst matches that's been, ever been seen in the Premier League, which involved two of the worst VAR decisions that you've ever seen. And it was really, a, it summed everything up that's wrong with football at the moment. An obsession with possession, a horrible tactical stalemates, a complete lack of flair and invention, no carefree abandon, no sense of let's go for it, we're ninth, who cares, come on, let's try and stick six past this lot, they're shit. Could have been a three-all draw and really entertaining. Mm -hmm. 
stank the place out with a negative, cautious, risk-averse football, couple of shots each. Fulham, you can understand it. They're desperately fighting for their lives. And then they really, frankly, they got absolutely robbed at the death. Mm. But I just want to, I want to ask you this. Right? There's two offside decisions in the game. One against Bukayo Saka when he was being closely marked by a Fulham defender about on the six-yard line. To, to the naked eye, you can see the Fulham defender is behind him. He's goal side. He's touch tight. He's doing an excellent marking job on Saka. Saka's backing up to him, but he's, and he's staying onside. He's onside. The guy's between him and the goal. They freeze frame it, and because Saka's feet slightly splay outwards, and because the way he's trying to balance as the ball's coming in fast from the left, if you don't keep your eye on it and it hits you in the face, it will knock you out. There's a huge bloke behind him who's grappling with him. And to balance, it, the toe of his right foot has gone closer to the goal. The whole of the rest of his body is onside. Mm. You have to give that as offside because the little lines come down. There is no opportunity for discretion. Mm. There is no way the referee can say, well, I've had a look at it. Yes, I can see where his toe is. But look at this. The guy's obviously behind him. There's no advantage being sought or, or taken. And when he slips away from his marker and gets the ball under control and contributes to the goal, it's a good bit of football. It's a terrific cross and header. It's a goal. He's onside. I'm using my discretion to say that toe is just an accident of the framing of the picture. To the naked eye, it's apparently not even level the Fulham players behind him. That's a goal. He's not allowed to use his discretion, right? This is my point. Later in the game, when we score a goal, when Eddie and Ketty are finally allowed on the pitch, and thank God shows his poaching talent and pinches mm. a goal for us, Holding is standing offside in the middle of the six-yard box, virtually next to the goalkeeper. He is if all of my life watching football. That is offside. Mm. That's offside. Yeah. The cross comes in, or cross comes shot, and the goalkeeper parries it. There's an enormous centre half standing right in front of him, and then Nketiah stabs it in the net. And you're just waiting for flag to go up. Hold, holding's clearly offside, right in front of the goalkeeper. Hey, can you possibly say he's not an interfering with play? Look at the size of him. <laughs> and they say, oh, well, looking at the angle, we'll use our discretion here. And we'll say he hasn't distracted the keeper. The keeper could see the ball clearly, made a save. It's a good bit of play from the striker. It's the goal. Why are you allowed to use your discretion then? when a player is totally offside and mm. you're not allowed to use a discretion in the other incident when there's a build-up and there's a toe when the player... I, that's where it falls down for mm. me. That's where the, the the referee on the day has to be able to say, yeah, 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 I can see your pictures, I can see your lines, mm. but look at the bloke, he's level. Mm. You can see he's level. His momentum, the way he's shifting his weight... Sometimes an arm might be here and a leg there, depending on whether you're the forward or the defender. There has to be some discretion of 10 centimetres, 50 centimetres, or something that says the referee can make the call on the day. Otherwise, these decisions are nonsense. Well, listen, it was an absolute joke. And I, now, my understanding of the offside law, why it was brought in, was to stop a player, a goal hanging. Basically, mm. you know, you could stick a, a big guy right up in a pit and just leave him there and then you'd lump a ball up to him and he'd be unmarked. You, it should be clear daylight, like Rob Holding was in that situation. That is offside. One toe, a three centimetres, it's ridiculous and it is killing football. You, you, you've seen a perfectly good goal disallowed. 
And, it, yeah. you know, which could be a big bearing on the game. Now, our game between Fulham, it doesn't mean much to us. But for Christ's sake, if that's an FA Cup final or a Europe Champions League final, you're going to disallow a goal because someone's toe is offside? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's extraordinary. But, but why? 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 Why can't they allow... For someone to, for an expert official to look at it and say he's on, the bloke's on. Mm. It's weird. They've opened Pandora's box, literally, haven't they? Well, not literally, but they've opened a Pandora's box, <laughs> metaphorically, where as soon as you start, sort of, as soon as you start appraising something, you know, after the event, and it's not just sort of the, you know, the second, the, the fourth official, like saying, "Well, I was a little bit closer, and it looked like that to me," then you know, it will come down three centimeters, three millimeters, three like micro millimeters. If such a thing yeah, exists, exactly. you know, it's it, and and yeah, I mean, it's 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 yeah. As soon as you as soon as you start, then no distance can be too small. I mean, surely when they were setting up VAR, then there must have been someone in there with a bit of common sense and go, well, let's look how this module works. And somebody came in and go, listen, we can get it down to a micromillimetre. And somebody should have been there going, no, 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 we don't want that. That module's rubbish. Let's go for mm. something where the guy, there's clear daylight. The guy's three feet offside. That's when VAR comes in. Mm. But with football, common sense always seems to go out the window. I don't know who these people are, you know. Well, there's no. I mean, it's no coincidence, is it, that in the same way as we're as as this breakaway league is isn't targeted at the sixty three thousand fans regularly packing out the Emirates. You know, neither's VAR. VAR. It makes for a more. I, I mean, I I don't can't even remember if I've seen a VAR decision in the flash yet. But um, you know, it, if you're at home, I suppose it's quite exciting. And you know, it, it's not exciting if you're sitting there going, "Well, have we scored or not?" You know, and we're celebrating and jumping up and down, and you, you, you call back. It's all part of the entertainment, isn't it? And well, yeah, but it's just... killing the entertainment, isn't it? It's the fact that when you score now, you're going to go, "Oh, well, oh no, it's got the VR." It just kills it. And if this goes on for years and years, but I think people have stopped. To, they, they won't go to football anymore. And I go, "What's the point? You've taken out all the fun." I'll go and watch a long league mm. team, whereas when we score a goal, we can all jump up and down and hug each other, whereas the Premier League, you're going, uh, you're looking at a large screen, waiting for two to three minutes. Whether that's this a thing goal. about, there's this one thing they can measure, and that is whether your sleeve is ahead of that person's knee by <laughs> half an inch. Mm. Yeah. They can measure that. They can measure that. But that isn't in the spirit of what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. If, a, if a man's trying to catch someone offside and he's slipped by him and he's away, but his arm's there because he's going forwards and his sleeve's off, you don't flag him off. You say he's level. The guy should be trying to defend it better and, the guy, and he's through. You can't pull it down to these matters of inches and centimeters. You just can't. It's not absolutely not in the. It's not what it's created for. No, there's no way that Saka was trying to gain an advantage unfairly there, and nor did he have an advantage no. from where his toe was. And most of his body is actually is completely blocked and marked. It was a bizarre decision, yeah, and it has to be because the line comes down. There's the dot we've chosen that particular frame mm. because that's an issue too, where you where you freeze frame it. And that's what we've decided. That is definitely offside, and that's indisputable. That's there as a matter of record. You can see it on the screen. Yeah, but everyone can see. Everyone mm. can see that he's been tightly marked by a Fulham player who's yeah. goal side. Mm. And what, what do you make of the, pe of the penalty, which I thought was one of the best My Little Pony dives ever? <laughs> just well, it's a, a, 
it's yeah. a pain. Yeah. He trod on his toe, it's a pain. They did, didn't mm. they? Yeah. But... You know, if you get a foot on the toe, it hurts. Mm. Uh, you do suddenly, you can end up falling in an odd way. But it's Gabriel being a bit rash, mm. as, as he is quite often, isn't he? Oh, Miriam, he likes to stick one of those massive legs in and then thinks, <laughs> oh, shit, what have I done? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the Slavia Prague. Thing. Yes, oh, let's. let's that, yeah. that six minutes of wonderful <laughs> yeah. play between Saka and Smith Rowe in particular. Fantastic. Oh, but uh, I've got to say, Lacazette, because I, I, when he, he took the knee, I've never felt so proud of an Arsenal captain. His shoulders were back, chest out, square jawed, mm. giving them a little come on in. You want some, really? <laughs> Bottom over top, ugh, you know. <laughs> and you look to the Slavia Prague players when, when they got up, they, they were beaten already. They was like, oh, my God, he's a bit scary, isn't he? I tell you what, just get lacquer up front and go, go on, look at them. Look at them really hard. Why why would a team why would a team one of whose number has been banned for ten games for racially abusing a player decide mm. now's the time to stop taking the knee? Oh, really, why draw why draw attention to yourselves and one of your numbers let the side down? Why would someone at your club defend him mm. by saying it hasn't been proved? Well, if a player is visibly upset and angry enough to wait in the tunnel and black his eye for him, if you can see evidently yeah. that he's, he's gone, he's, the level of a, a, aggravation and upset is so high that something extraordinary must have happened. If he says he racially abused me, and if the common consensus is, well, we believe you, that is all you have to go on. It's a he said, she said situation. What I find extraordinary about the Glenn Kamara, ex-Arsenal player, of course, that Glenn Kamara mm. situation was he waited for this guy in the tunnel and he went for him. And the, and now the Scottish police are taking action against him. He might end up in court <laughs> for assault. I mean, I, really, if there's ever a time to caution <laughs> someone yeah. and send them on their way, that's the moment. Yeah. Mm. Why? What sort of a policing system is it? Now we've got. Oh, we've got one here. We can get. A pro- we can get a conviction here, and that'll get the average up. <laughs> uh, the stupidity of it. I know, but yeah, no, it was good the way he took the knee. That yeah, was, uh, great. He, like, he, he, and he's good for posturing and posing, Lacker. He, mm. That's not going to miss that opportunity. He loved mm. that. The camera on him. Uh, he took his chances, and uh, it was brilliant play from. From Saka when he hit the post for the disallowed goal when he scored in the other corner, Smith Rowe, the close control, the nutmeg and the little pass for Pepe it was was so brilliant. Oh, it could have been it could mm. have been Zidane or Messi or any of the greats. The the to have that composure in that situation to not turn round and go backwards to keep going forwards when all all is around you. I, I'm full of admiration for that attitude as much as anything mm. he can carry the ball he can pass the ball he can dribble he can shoot he can assist he's a fantastic talent and i was pleased he was playing at number 10 actually Erdegaard has mm. done well there but he's mm. unfit and so that was that was nice and we absolutely battered yeah him. now mm. this the question is this is where i'm like yeah great arteta we've done well but please uh, Smith Rowe, Saka, and all the players that we need for Villarreal, you've got to, they can't play against Everton. Everton's a meaningless match. I understand you've got to keep players sharp. You can't totally rest them, otherwise, they lose their edge. But we, you've, you've got to drop Saka and Smith Rowe. We need them against Villarreal. And I'm surprised he actually played them Sunday. 
And hopefully Lacazette's uh, injury is not going to keep him out for Villarreal. But you've got to keep resting players. I mean, he, he dropped mm. Leno, which I thought was a good idea because you need the keeper to get some uh, game time, you know, the reserve keeper. So... Yeah, but, no, I think you're right. I think he needs to prioritise a Villarreal game. He needs to decide what his eleven's going to be and he needs to um, keep as many of them as possible fresh by playing other people the, at the weekend. Now, there are plenty of people around, Eddie and Ketty are among them, Hmm. Who could do with the ninety minutes anyway? Hmm. You know, and like you say, what if what if we need to bring in Kessier on against Villarreal after half an hour, and he's played ten minutes football since January? It's hmm. a good idea to give people a game, and, and maybe Aubameyang will be uh, back again in a week's time. But malaria, sometimes you can get over it in a week. Sometimes it's with you for a year. It hmm. depends how badly. Yeah. How badly he got it. Yeah. Well, I, I said to you, I said, I wonder if it was our club doctor who said, yeah, you've got flu. Yeah, I'll have some limbs set. Go on. <laughs> I bet it was. You know it was, really. <laughs> and then he's gone, do you know what? I still don't feel well. I'm going to go to my own JP. Yeah, if you think that. Yeah. Malaria. Oh, it's malaria. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> flu. Well, okay. well, have, a, have a Beecham spout. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll be all right. Sweat it out. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> You want a you want a gin and tonic. You want the alquinine, don't yeah, you? Yeah, alquinine. I, I did. Um, I you did see, Oliver, you've come up with a better cure than the Arsenal <laughs> club doctor straight away, and you're yeah. not medically trained, as far as well. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. Though I did, I did, I, I, I was curious, and I know we we haven't we haven't got a lot of time, and there's so much to fit in. But where were you going with these cows, Keith? Because right, the cow thing. I, I was, I was hoping, I was hoping to. to you know, have this as the centre of the podcast. <laughs> other events have uh, a. I don't know how it came about, but it came up on our pod, on our you know feed or so, something about cows again. But they do, on average, kill eight people in this country a year. You know, yeah. I think Teo put something up. T put something up about, and I just said, you know, they whack someone. I don't mean they actually they go they get there for hire. I don't say cows are like hitmen. Well, that was a clear implication when you said cows whack <laughs> cows whack eight people a year. Well, well, I mean, whack off their own, you know, volition. Like, like when they whack Joe Pesci, a good fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like mean the, you know the cows invite you to a sit down. So you think that you think you're going to get made, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then all that happens is one of them sits on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'd like to point out somebody on uh, our Twitter feed, very sharp, a bit too sharp, someone would say, that he pointed out when I put diesel, oh, no, I put petrol in my petrol diesel in van. Petrol Yeah, yeah, oh, thanks yes, for so reminding me of that. You were, you were suggesting that the easiest, most simple thing to do in life <laughs> is put petrol in your car, and if I'm sure that they could do that. And you were equating that to clearing a ball from your own penalty area yes. in the dying seconds of a match. <laughs> Mm. It, it, it seemed like a, not a great metaphor for, of clearing a ball. Not, not, anyway, someone did point out. <laughs> yes, they did. That in what was it, 2011? You you put petrol in the diesel? Was it? Yeah, it was petrol in the diesel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, on and on last week. Mm. Oh, it's so easy to fill your car. How did he remember uh, I, that? I, I, I was very <laughs> impressed. I was, you know, I'm constantly impressed by yeah. some of our fr the freeloading scum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good memories with, with, the, with the memories. Yeah. I, well, I mean, <laughs> there, are, there are a few things that we've said on here. Very few stupid things that we've said on here that haven't been brought back to mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the freeloading scum, um, Andrew McBrin has uh, sent me an email uh, with the subject line Graham. Or Gaddafi. Oh! <laughs> I wonder if we could turn this into a and, ball uh, game. 
apologies to listeners uh, or freeloading vermin who have have had enough of uh, oh, uh, our quiz where no, you, got, no, you, you quiz. take quotes from a football manager and quotes from a dictator and <laughs> see who said what. Um, but here it is. Here it is. Well, I'll run through these with you and see, see if you can guess who said it. Um, number one, he is the jewel in the crown and getting at him should be almost impossible. Uh, is it Graham or Gaddafi? Gaddafi. I'm going to go Graham. It is Graham. No! It is Graham. Uh, What he's talking about is the role of the goalkeeper in the team. The goalkeeper, he regarded... Isn't this brilliant from George? We talk about the philosophy of Wenger many times over the years. But but George's philosophy is the goalkeeper is the jewel in your crown. And so you protect the goalkeeper as if he was the biggest jewel in your crown. And everybody, and so it should be impossible to get at the goalkeeper. Wow. And that was his entire philosophy. Good, that was why he drilled that back four into such yeah, an amazing That's game. a good philosophy. I, wish we had... I absolutely love that quote. Yeah. He is the jewel in the crown. Getting at him should be almost impossible. And that's what certainly was, would have been a good attitude when we had Almunia between the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I've always thought. Oh, now I'm trying. As I read this, as always, I'm trying to speak in in a, in a in a tone that pitches me exactly between Graham and Gaddafi. <laughs> exactly between Glasgow and Tripoli. And, <laughs> and it's not easy. Um, I've always thought I am a perfectionist. But you always look and see if there are any weaknesses. Ooh. I've always thought I am a perfectionist. Well, that's but you always look and sounds see very if there great. are any weaknesses. It does. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go Gaddafi again, though, just for. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to go Gaddafi on this one. I think, yeah, yeah. it's George. It's George. Ah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, number three. Uh, see, you think this is. Uh, those who do not love me do not deserve to live. Oh, flip it out. He's sure. I'm going to have a stab in the dark here, which, which he probably did on more than one occasion. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go Gaddafi as well. Yeah, I'll go Gaddafi on this. Yeah, yeah, that is, uh, that is Gaddafi. <laughs> I think some, some, people, uh, some people in Libya might not find this so funny. Um, <laughs> Okay, here we go. Number four. They have always got this will to win and this work ethic, which I believe in. Well, it's got to be Graham, hasn't it? It's got to be George. I'm going to go Gaddafi one more time. You're going to go Gaddafi again? It's George. It's George. George, you've only, I think I think you've only got one right so far. Over, I think you're playing a reckless, <laughs> a reckless game. Wow, the stakes are so high, Alan. <laughs> I tell you what, Oliver, your years uh, of being an ambassador in uh, <laughs> oh, in the region, in the region, yeah. were not wasted, were they? <laughs> uh, that was uh, George, uh, the will to win and the work ethic, which I believe in. Uh, talking about Scottish managers, Scottish managers. <laughs> Number five, I am a greedy person. Mm-hmm. Graham or Gaddafi? Gaddafi again for me. Uh, I'm going to go George. 
It is George. Ooh. It's George. I think you're about three or four one up here, Keith. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, I'm a greedy person, and it was George Graham, and it, he was speaking about getting consistent excellence out of Rocky Row Castle. So there you are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this one's a weird one. <laughs> a woman has the right to run for election, whether she's male or female. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be Gaddafi and one of his patterns. I think that's got to be Gaddafi as well. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it is Gaddafi, um, but it could have also could have been George yeah. after a few a few whiskies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very 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 odd quote indeed. Mm. Uh, number seven. We won't surrender again. We are not women. We will keep fighting um, again. It's such an odd point. Oh, I think we're going to go Gaddafi on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Gaddafi. You've got to say, when you are looking for quotes with dictators, it is hard to find any kind of rational quote that any of them have come out. I mean, Mussolini oh, yeah. was very hard. Mm. You know? Most of his was about smashing people in the face consistently, you know. It's very yeah. it's difficult. <laughs> Whereas a philosopher on the other hand, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, you know, when you've got a philosopher. Philosophers, yeah. Well, a philosopher He's and a pretentious football manager is a surprising, a surprising <laughs> amount of overlap. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's just a couple more of these. Uh, uh, even if there comes a time when you do not hear my voice, do not give up. Oh. I think definitely Gaddafi. Oh, I'm going Graham. Mm, that's Gaddafi. Yeah. Oh. Uh, number nine, it's hard to be passionate twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> Not Gaddafi. Oh, that could be any any that's any man. Graham. That's got to be That's George. That's yeah. George. Uh, and number ten uh, feels like it's been translated from another language. So uh, to force a human being to learn from a set curriculum is a dictatorial act. Mm. Oh, it's got to be uh, Gaddafi, surely. It is, it is yeah. Gaddafi. Gaddafi. The dictators they do have a habit of talking about human beings mm. and human nature as if they've got some special insight mm. into how people work mm. and how they can be controlled and manipulated and of course they do yeah <laughs> that's uh, one of the things they're most famous for yeah uh so uh, andrew doughty keith is what i know is a personal hero of yours he? because he's the uh yeah it was how quickly you forget oh no he's the uh anagram man isn't he's he? the anagram oh, king. oh yeah mm. he's yeah. the anagram king he's the one who coined uh labia romp for, <laughs> for pablo mari uh, <laughs> the uh, thing anyway. is they are so accurate are they i mean when he do you do that you go yeah that sort of fits <laughs> he's come up with a uh loving the continuing who said it quiz so my anagrams are a bit old hat now. No, nonetheless, no, no. Uh, nonetheless, in view of our Thursday night success, I've set out our starting lineup in anagram form. Uh, so he's got he's got uh, the whole team there. There's old Big Horn, uh, noble nerd. He's <laughs> got for, um, <laughs> for for Burn Leno. But the new one that I think you might enjoy. Uh, it's so him. 
uh, there are a couple of absolute belters in here, Keith, you're going to enjoy. I mean, there's there's Labia Romp yeah. for pa- Pablo yeah, Mari, Mari who's, who's become, Pablo Mari's become my new favourite player. There's something, mm. I mean, if, there, if there's a man you want to be in life, it's Pablo Mari. <laughs> it's just a, what a magnificent sight he is. And the composure, continuing excellence of his positional play and his relationship with old Bighorn himself. Was one of the great joys of of that thrashing of uh, a bog average Czech team. Uh, uh, right back though, uh, Callum Chambers mm. uh, becomes Brash Camelcum, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and there is something forthright and spunky about Callum Chambers. There's no getting away from it. <laughs> I'm there. I'm, I can see it. it works brash, for me. brash camel cum. Brash camel cum. Brash Imagine camel. going down to the club shop and saying, uh, "I want brash camel cum." Put on me back of my shirt, please. But how, about <laughs> how about this one for Danny Ceballos? It's got. It's uh, got for Danny Ceballos. Balanced oils. Balanced oils. It just. Yeah. It just works. It does. It works. Don't he? Because this what what sums up Danny Ceballos. It's the fact that he could twist and turn. He's got two good feet. He's well balanced, mm. and he's always got a load of hair oil in. I mm. mean, it really does balanced oils is actually a description of Danny Ceballos. Mm. Yeah, no, it works uh, for me. And for the for the king of the midfield, uh, 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 megastar, a midfielder, um, Thomas Partey, he has. Hot paymaster, it's so mm. true. Oh yeah, yeah. How about that? so true. Uh, Emil Smith Rowe is uh, Mr. Moist Wheelie. It sounds like a caretaker at school. Go and see Mr. Moist Wheelie. Mr. Moist Wheelie. <laughs> And get something to cover up that sick in the playground. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Mr. Moist Wheeling. He'll be taking over at Tottenham. <laughs> Mr. Moist Wheeling. <laughs> it's our home form that's been the issue, mm. isn't it, really. We that's were dreadful awful. at home. Yeah. Dreadful at home against Liverpool, dreadful at home against Fulham, and against Slavia Prague, and against Olympiacos. It's absolutely awful. This is... A, it, it, Surely they would do better with people in the ground reminding them that they have to do better. Though really, the fact that we've pinched that point off Fulham in the ninety seventh mm. minute, the ground would have been half empty by then, wouldn't it? Yeah. And the anger and the fury about how dull and desperately lacking in ambition the play was, even though we had our two young wonder kids mm. on the pitch. Oh, it would have been. Oh, awful. I don't. Th- I think if. We didn't have COVID. Uh, I don't think Arteta would have been manager now. He'd, he'd have got. He'd been sacked. He would have been. Mm. Yeah, he would have got. He'd be gone. I think yeah, you know. He, he really. He could really still turn it around, though, couldn't he? Absolutely. If he could get, get by Villarreal and then win a one-off match against either United or Roma, and suddenly he's created one of the great days in Arsenal's history. Returned us to the Champions League. Mm. And all, all of that, and uh, and our Europa League form has been pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Now, just an aside, listen, if we were to make the Europa League final, and let's say Man United did, would they still have the final in Poland? Or they could say, listen, we could actually have fans in the ground at Wembley. 
We could have, say, 10,000 Man U, 10,000 Arsenal. Mm. Well, you see, what you're saying there, it's Keith, common makes, sense. makes perfect sense. Mate. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never, never going to happen. happen. I mean, after they made Arsenal and Chelsea go to Baku. Exactly. Yeah. And, in fact, no one went, did they? No. I mean, there's only a handful of us went. And, and Oh, dear. Uh, I've had a tweet from Stephen Lee. Uh, he says... This is to at not you Bentley our Twitter feed. If you want to get in touch with us, please do at not you Bentley is our Twitter feed or uh, Tuesday Club Podcast at gmail.com. Stephen says, "Time to take back what you said about Xhaka?" Question mark has been consistently excellent recently and shown real leadership qualities. Loving the podcast as always. It comes in at the end. Um, and I, I, that is an interesting point, Stephen. I, you know, defending Granite Jacker there. But I would uh, take issue with your use of the term consistently excellent. And I, I really think you might have downgraded excellence into something perhaps resembling bog average competence competence <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. found some level of basic competence not littered with schoolboy mistakes has now become redefined as consistent i'll tell you who's consistently excellent patrick vieira is consistently excellent <laughs> Seth fabregas was consistently excellent and so was dennis bergkamp and this player is consistently unambitious and consistently a liability and frankly Sticking him at left back and getting him out of the midfield has been an accidental masterstroke <laughs> for Arteta because suddenly to have Partey and Ceballos in midfield against Slavia Prague and, and pinging it about and looking fluent and skillful and clever and full of little feints and dummies and ambition in their passing was wonderful. And to have Xhaka parked at the back alongside Mari who was looking after him, we had to have Ceballos and... Nicola Pepe scampering back to cover for him in case Prague's barnstorming right back came down. He got one one-on-one with Xhaka. Xhaka fouled him, should have been booked, and the ref gave nothing. So he absolutely got away with it. Uh, but you have to say that keeping him there, saying to him, you're not required to bomb down the left-hand side, you're not Kieran Tierney, mm. just sit in. When we're in possession, come into midfield, sit in alongside Pablo Mari, be positionally alive and aware has been okay. It's not a long-term solution because a left-back looks like Ashley Cole. That's what a left-back looks like. And if there's one thing that our back four lacks uh, that isn't boosted by the presence of Granite Xhaka, it's pace. (laughs) We used to have Colo Toure, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole. We used to have electrifying pace Mm. in the back four. No one was quicker than them. Even Michael Owen struggled. So... It's a temporary solution. I do think it's it's a good move by Arteta that because you've lost these barnstorming Kieran Tierney runs down the left-hand side to put Pepe out there, left footer on the left wing, taking over that role and kind of a bit of a shuffling about in the midfield with Xhaka's role has been a way of covering the loss of Kieran Tierney. It, it meant moving a couple of people and it actually opened the midfield for Partey to be able to get on the ball and mm. be the dominant figure in there. And that has been that is crucial for us really to improve as a team. Because there, there are times when Partey looks around and his only option is Xhaka and everything goes like <laughs> suddenly you're walking along the road and you tread in a big pile of fudge <laughs> <laughs> or or glue or something. <laughs> 
So, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you think about consistent... Yeah, are you trying to think of consistently excellent footballers? Does Granite Jacker come to mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, good, lumbering, sturdy beast that he is. <laughs> uh, someone has sent me... Um, it doesn't really work, but I like that he's done it. Uh, Ryan White, who says he's a gooner from South Africa and freeloading vermin of many years, uh, a one-time previous emailer, and now will never email you again. Uh, he's given me uh, Craig Shakespeare or William Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> that could be too uh, easy. And it, it just works because it's quite funny. Yeah. You know, they're really, <laughs> they're really not actually... Yeah, this, you can't really get them mixed up. Uh, so it goes, <laughs> yeah. uh, all that glitters is not gold, William Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for loan oft loses both itself and friend, William Shakespeare. <laughs> we all say this now about modern players and too many games, and I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was good. That was also, that was William Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! So thanks for that, Ryan. Uh, I've got some commentaries for you. Oh, Do you want me to yeah, fire them up? Go for yeah, a commentary. Are you up for it? Yeah. Are you up for it? Yeah. So actually, Jay, uh, our uh, Wizkid genius producer, found these. So let's see if you can identify them. This is Gnabry. Kazola. Giroud, Uncle Wilshere, Kisola! Well, there's a touch of relief in those celebrations, but breakthrough at last for Arsenal. And it's all in a tight space, and you have to be precise when you're playing like this. And it's good play, look, Kisola's cutting in from the left-hand side, he plays the ball, and he follows the ball. That's the key to it, he's following it in from Giroud, Wilshere back to him, and they're right in the corner. Great finish. 1 0 Arsenal. Sally Cazola, right? Okay. Mm. Who are we playing though? We normally have a fee, but I don't think that's about Fulham. Could it be against Fulham? It is Fulham. It is Fulham. Oh, but, uh, oh, yeah, but what, but what game though? Straight what, away. What game? What? It's know. a lovely goal. It's a goal that I'd totally forgotten. It's worth a look up on the YouTube. Ooh, we'll do. Uh, it's it's Santi Gazzola against Fulham, and uh, it's I think he scores two in the game actually, and we win the game with goals in the second half. It'd been a while, um, but it's a lovely bit of classic old old day Wenger interplay with Gazzola into Giroud quickly to Wilshire. Gazzola carries on running, slips it back to him, sticks it in the bottom corner. So it's uh, it, it's from 2014. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. January 2014. Okay. So uh, oh, we not surprised that you don't remember it, but what well, they were some lovely players playing. Because mm. really, yeah. mm. but when you look at the players that we have, this is what's baffling about football, isn't it? What is it about Arteta's approach and Wenger's approach that somehow, when they go out like they did against Fulham yesterday? They're not up the pitch trying this stuff. There's some Wenger somehow had them all. He would talk about playing with the handbrake on, mm. wouldn't he? Mm. 
And getting the handbrake off is all he was thinking about. He wanted to release them to express themselves and create these wonderful moments as often as possible. And he was prepared to take the risk, I suppose, that it wouldn't always work. Well, was able, or was able to take the risk. You know, he had the he had the he had the freedom. I'm sure, you know, Tessa, he must be so. I think they're so bundled up in fear of like, you know, and, and which is which they um, which they all sort of choose to display through, you know, percentage games and and you know pressing and the and the different ways they play. Whereas I think Wenger w- would have just said, right, go out, enjoy it. You know, mm. he was just, and, but then again, he ruled that he ruled the place didn't he? <laughs> for all those years. Whereas Arteta's, yeah, I mean, if he, I'd be a worried man if I was Arteta right now. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting how he sets up against Villarreal. I mean, listen, Unai Emery, you know, he's got his name stamped on this competition. So it's, yeah. that's going to be tough. We play out there, first of all. We've got to nick a couple of goals. Not one's not good enough. We play better away. Yeah, let's yeah face we it. do. So that's, if you look at the last two games, Olympiakos and Slavia Prague, we were fantastic away from home. Mm. And in fact, the previous round against Benfica. Benfica. Neither of those games were at that dreadful Emirates with that awful droning drainage system and that horrible echoing car park vibe of that place that I'm sure makes them miserable to go there. I, I uh, think if, you got a good point. I think you're right. I, if we This mm. game, I honestly do think for Arsenal, the tie is won or lost in Villarreal. Mm. There's mm. no sense of getting something there and then coming back and winning it at the Emirates. No, no, no. The Emirates is a dangerous place for us to rely on. It's empty. And you can't overlook the fact that our home form is woeful. We've mm. had terrible results. Not least that night we went, Keith, against Burnley. Oh, that was we too. It wasn't no, just that we that. lost the game. It was that we played so badly. Nothing seemed to be flowing. Everyone seemed anxious and there was no interplay. There was no confidence. The team were quiet on the pitch. So I do feel like go to Villarreal and think it's Slavia Prague. Go there and try to score. Emery will be, he knows our players well, but you know how cautious he is. Mm-hmm. He'll be looking for a 1-0. Yeah. yeah. Well, this could... A weight goal is massive. That could be to our advantage. But Arteta has got... Listen, you've pointed out about our home form. Arteta should be sitting down now and go, OK, what can I do to motivate? What is it that's lacking on our home form? What, is it a psychological thing? Is it the noise of the stadium? I mean, uh, Man United have changed the colours of the uh, surrounds over the seats because of the red thing. Well, maybe we've got to do something with some sound system or something because it is a weird atmosphere when it's empty in there. I think maybe mm. something's got to be done. It, it is peculiar, mm. and it, but it's so pedestrian. Mm. Mm. Really, I do feel strongly, as you know, for many years that that Xhaka leads that. He obviously is respected in the dressing room and he's a confident man. But, God, the game slows down when it comes. Stop playing at a walking pace. Mm -hmm. That's why I like... One of the things I like about Ceballos, who's yet to really blossom and exert real influence, you keep seeing that there's potential player there. But I also like it about Smith-Rowe. That when they get on the ball, the game speeds up. Mm. Things start to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Santi Gazzola was like. If you got it into Gazzola, things start to happen straight away. Van Persie would make a run, or Nazari, or whoever he played with, Ramsey. They'd think something's going to happen. Santi's got it. He won't lose it. He'll be looking to pass forwards. 
He's going to take that man on go. Something's going to happen now. Same as Sesk. Yeah, yeah. and when we had... Se- if, yeah. Yeah, or Sanchez, we had the ball. We'd boom, we'd be yeah, yeah, running. Too. I mean, yeah. if he was tightly marked and there was nothing on, he'd lay it off. But if he got half a yard and turned and could see the goal, the opposition shat themselves. The fans got excited. Here we go. Remember that goal he got against Villa in the cup final? Mm. Holy mm. shit, what a goal that was. Mm. What a hit that was. That was what that was explosively exciting. And this where is that gone? Yeah. That yeah. feeling. He needs to find that for the home form, you know, not just this season, but next season as well. Mm. All right. Here's a goal that you, uh, you very likely won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Barmorte, <laughs> caught in possession by Clichy. And he fouled him. Bergkamp looking for Seagon again. Conor Torre was in there. Seagon! Two in a game. That was a game. Four back to the starting lineup <laughs> for Philippe Sondaros. Yes, it was Pascal Seagon got two goals, didn't he? And oh, yes. what yeah. was it? That's right. Oh. Do you remember it, Ollie? Do you I remember do. it? I do. I do. It was unbelievable. I have no memory of it at all. Was it, oh, to the extent I'm up, I, I may not even no, be there. Were, I was you there. Were there. You were there. You were there. Uh, didn't the, I'll tell the you the date. Yeah, when it, was it? 23rd of August, yeah. 2005. So it was right at the beginning of the season, the last season at Highbury with the the burgundy shirts or whatever they called it. Yeah, yeah. Seagon, uh, we played, uh, Henri scored, and uh, it was a 4-1 win. Pascal Seagan got two but goals. But didn't the crowd, start, the crowd game, started singing something like he only needs 30? There was something about somebody was on so many goals to get the golden boot or something, and the crowd guy said he only needs 28 more or something like that. <laughs> there was something that was funny happened. Well, I think what it was yeah. was Henri yes. was getting close to breaking right his oh, record. That's, that's it, yeah. that's it. He was getting close that night. I think if he'd got a hat trick that night, or if he'd got four or something, you know, and Arsenal were really on fire. Had a fantastic team at that time. Uh, actually, then he actually broke it, didn't he, in, in Prague uh, shortly after that? Yes, that is Pascal Segan. Uh, and now, see if you remember this goal. Oh, Shavin. And Percy on the half turn. Back to Nasri. Charts here. He's Watson again. Goodness me, can he do it again? That is beautifully balanced ballet in a football penalty box. Marvellous finish. The build-up quickened in pace. He continued the run to get the return for Van Persie. Round one and two, then the turn and the finish from the tight angle. You remember it? Don't remember. I'm going to go Fulham again. <laughs> yeah, it's, this podcast is turning into middle-aged men fail to remember <laughs> recent events. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be that. Yeah, you know, people are going to start tweeting in. I see Keith in a dressing gown walking along the A406 the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Looking slightly disorientated. Yeah. Uh, Which of our players would, would be most likely to, to resemble a ballet dancer? Well, it was Nasri, wasn't it? Yeah. Nasri. It was Sammy Nasri against Fulham. It was on December the 4th, 2010. Uh, and, uh, yes, there were some very good players involved in the build-up. Okay, so 
Uh, so that goal was by Samir Nasri. Uh, he scored two goals um, in a 2-1 home win in front of 60,000, of course, of course uh, against Fulham. Um, do you want? We'll have a little stab at the lineup. Do you want to have a little guess at who played in the Arsenal eleven on that day? Two thousand ten. Yeah, two thousand and ten. Um, Chesney. Chesney was on the bench. Was on the bench. Well, yeah, not Not Almunia. No, not Fabianski. Fabianski was really? in goal. Lukas Fabianski wearing the number twenty-one shirt. Okay. Was in goal. In goal for Fulham was Mark Schwarzer, who oh, we nearly signed yeah, for the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Well, we won him. <laughs> um, and then the, uh, it was an all French back four. Ooh. Okay. So Clichy. Yep, Gail Clichy was there. Cashelny. Uh, yep, Lauren Cashelny at right back. Uh, oh, but, uh, great right back. Flamini. Not Flamini. He did play a bit, didn't he? Uh, uh, hard as nails. Rock hard. Terrific. Oh, Great Sanya, crosser. Sanya, Sanya. 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 Yeah. With a stupendously uh, beautiful other half. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Much photographed by uh, the midfield general. Um, and, uh, and the other centre half was shit. Gallus? Uh, no. <laughs> well, he's not shit, is he? Um, no, Sylvester. No, he wasn't shit. He was mad. Sylvester was shit, but even more shit than oh, Sylvester. Right. Well, French. French, yeah. Oh, not... um. Oh, Squillacci. Sebastian <laughs> Squillacci. <laughs> he played. Oh. Um, uh, and now we have a, a five-man midfield, uh, in, which includes four... Midget geniuses. Wilshire. Jackie Wilshire was San- there. Cazola. Sa- Santi. Uh, no, no not, not Santi. Santi. Not Santi Cazola. Not Shavin. In this particular oh. game. Andre Shavin, yeah, he, he was, was there. Shavin and... Oof. Uh, of course, there's the goal scorer. Nasri, of course. Sammy Nasri. and Nasri. And there's one other. There's the little Mozart. Oh, Thomas. Tomasz Rosicki and uh, and playing the holding role, scoring the occasional goal. Song was Alex Dimitri. Song belong. And up front was a centre forward who was crap. <laughs> Sonogo. <laughs> uh, Sonogo. No, Sonogo. Jack, no. What's his uh, name? The bloke. Uh, G- oh, G- Javinho. Not. Not oh, Javinho, Marouane Shemak. Oh, dear. Uh, coming off the bench, uh, Johan Juru came off the bench. Koscielny went off injured in the first half. And also later on in the game, we deployed Robin Van Persie and Theo Walcott. Uh, unused subs, uh, along with Chesney, were Kieran Gibbs and Danielson. And Nicholas Bentner. When you, you when you and, uh, listen to some some of those names, you think, "Good God, if they was in, some of them were in our team now, we'd be top of the league, wouldn't we?" I mean, not all of them, but as you put in a few of those three or four of them players, we frequently were yeah. top of the league in those days, just, but we just could never, never stay there. finish top <laughs> yeah, of the league. Yeah, could yeah. We? Yeah. we would always. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and on the in the Fulham side, 
Uh, Danny Murphy. Oh. Da- Danny, Danny Murphy playing. And on the bench was Damien Duff. Didn't even remember him playing for Fulham. Was that the year they Fulham managed to get to the uh, Europa League final, wasn't it? They, 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 yeah, they, did, oh, ma- they did manage it one year. They, they, they yeah. did one yeah. year. Under Roy. They? Got to the Europa League Roy. final. That's right. I can't remember if that was 2011 yeah. or not. It was yeah. around that time. Uh, so, yeah, that's what the line up. Love a bit of that. Love a bit of guesswork. Yeah, pure guesswork, mainly yeah, on our part. <laughs> so, to, to sum up, gentlemen, uh, European Super League, yes or no? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, is it inevitable in some way, shape, or form at some point in our in our lives? I think yes, <laughs> but maybe not quite yet. I think the my reason to fight it is the suspicion that there's an attempt, as we've discussed, to Americanize yes. yeah. our sport and to take away that element of... Well, we just mentioned Fulham there. Yeah. Middlesbrough at one time had a run to a European final. Uh, it, it's possible for great things to happen to clubs who sometimes are languishing in the Championship or even League One for periods, but it's possible yeah. if you get your act together, you can get to European finals, you can do... Great things are West Ham. I mean, I hope they make it this year, vying for top four. So, no, 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 no close shop. You can't have a close shop. You can't have any club that's definitely going to be there every year. That's an absolute. It would just stagnate. And that's what they don't factor in is with stagnation, fans will turn away. And, you know, yeah. you can give it and billing it up as big as you know, like with all the names and that. But this Super League that they're talking about, there's no Ajax in there. There's no, you know, you're leaving out some mm. big names in Europe. Oh, just think of the history of Benfica yeah, and Clubs. Yeah. Um, it really, it's it's nuts. It's completely nuts. Uh, quite funny that Jose's gone. Tottenham fans will be celebrating tonight. They all absolutely <laughs> hated him. And it could be a big week for them. There's a one in the year. Uh, they've got a chance, a chance to win the League Cup yeah, on the weekend. One in the year, Six. an owl in the tree, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and a kebab lying in the gutter of Tottenham Road. <laughs> when all those things happen at the same time. <laughs> Oh, you got um, But of course, City have just lost to Chelsea and uh, they'll be angry now. <laughs> they'll be really mm. grumpy. Although they do, of course, have a semi final of the European Cup to play just a few days after they play Tottenham at Wembley. So their selection, mm. team selection, may be somewhat compromised. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see whether we're having to put up with Tottenham lifting a a pot and fill in their empty trophy cabinet or a humiliating oh, thrashing. <laughs> please, please give us a thrashing of, of Tottenham, please. That'd be so funny. Yeah. Uh, all okay. right, Good to see you. Cheers. Cheers. Right. See you later. Bye.